As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, this is Handbreaker Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone, joined this week by Adrian Clark and The Athletic's very own Art de Roche. Good morning, chaps. Good morning. Morning. Morning, nice <laughs> we to the see same you. time. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all right. Uh, coming up on the pod today, uh, the Women's Super League. Uh, Spurs have postponed the North London derby because of COVID. Uh, where have we heard that before? We'll talk about that as well as what happened against Wolfsburg last was it Wednesday, Thursday evening? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Art? Wednesday. Was Wednesday. it Wednesday? And the and the next one is on Thursday this week, isn't yeah. it? Um, <laughs> we'll talk about transfer rumours and whether Marcus Rashford will move to the Arsenal, and also do we want him? Uh, and Art has written a great piece about how much Arsenal's biggest transfers would cost today. Uh, we'll have a chat about that before all that. We had a rather excellent Arsenal-related uh, bit of news this week. Patrick Vieira has been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. Uh, for an opening question, we thought, pick the next Arsenal player who should go in. I should say, at this point, uh, as someone who grew up before the Premier League happened, I sort of resent the whole idea of it, if I'm totally honest with you. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, and Patrick Vieira, of course, is incredibly worthy. But I'm engaging with it because we've had some really outstanding players in the last 30 years and we'll have three or four in the Hall of Fame fairly soon. I mean, if you're Tottenham, you're waiting on Harry Kane and Gareth Bale, right, essentially. If you're Everton, you might never get one in. Um, There's no disrespect to Everton, but you know what I mean. That being said, who are you having? Uh, Adrian, I'll start with you. Well, Everton just got one in, Wayne Rooney. um, Played for Everton, didn't he? So (laughs) so there you go. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, Do you know what? First of all, much deserved in regards to to Patrick Vieira. I I think he is an iconic figure at the Arsenal. and, And in my opinion, and you've seen a lot more midfielders down the years than me, but the best central midfielder that we've had. Certainly, in, certainly in my lifetime. So, so he, he, he's absolutely tremendous. He deserves his place in it. Who comes next is really, really interesting. I had three names: um, Tony Adams, Ian Wright, and Ashley Cole. And um, I think it's, it, maybe this is controversial, but 
I think Ashley Cole would would be my pick would be my pick next out of former Arsenal players because he is the best left back in Premier League history, and and at the moment the Hall of Fame is kind of full with attacking talents. I think they're due some defenders, and and you can't you can't sort of under underestimate his achievements. Obviously, three titles, seven FA Cups, four teams of the season Ashley Cole he won a couple of European trophies as well I just think when you look at the Premier League era it's hard to find a better player in his position than Ashley Cole and he was one of ours he came through the academy he was brilliant for us while he was wearing the red and white and 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 I think that he's got a a great shout of being in there soon but but Tony Adams time will, will definitely come yeah, and see, the, the joke I was going to do was basically we're going to finish that and I was going to go, you're banned for life from this podcast. <laughs> but the truth is, I feel the same way about Ashley Cole. I think he was an absolutely fantastic player. I know Amy, who's obviously on this podcast a lot, wrote the book about the Invincibles and he was the one that she didn't manage to talk to because of the situation. But what a player. What a player. And and taught to defend, of course, by Tony Adams and Lee Dixon and the rest of them. So obviously knew what he was doing. But uh, an astonishing footballer. I actually, of all his performances, I love some of the stuff. The goal he got for Arsenal against Villa, by the way, um, when, when it, Henri knocked a ball across to Bergkamp, who just played it first. Camp, lovely ball for Cole. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful Arsenal goal. That's right up there with the best. Well, we're witnessing the football version of the Harlem Globetrotters at the moment. They have been absolutely superb. Into the bottom corner and you went, wow, we're brilliant. But I also <laughs> love watching him play against Ronaldo uh, in, I think it was 2006 when he was playing for England. And it was top quality, the two of them going at each other. And, and um, that is a very, very, very worthy shout, I think. Uh, wonderful, wonderful footballer, although some of the fashion choices on uh, on his uh, when he's a pundit now I'm not so sure about uh, but that's what happens when you got a billion quid and no taste um, and and he's and he's part of Everton so so you know at the moment so, so yeah go that's going really you're, you're, really well yeah um, Art what about you what have you got um, and, and by the way I will talk about Vieira in a minute but yeah what about you Art I think um, when I first looked at it my my instinct was to go with Ian Wright but I think Ashley Cole is probably the correct choice um, for next up anyway. I think it's not as controversial as Adrian thought it was, I think, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider how much he actually achieved at Arsenal. I think people forget that just because he was at Chelsea for probably the last seven, eight years of his career and was very successful. He was equally successful at Arsenal, I'd say. Um, so I think, yeah, that alongside his overall individual quality, I think just puts him ahead of uh, Ian Wright and probably the sheer um, amount of uh, trophies and individual awards he won probably puts him over Tony Adams as well. I think just, um, yeah, I, I'd say Ashley Cole next up is probably the best shout in terms of next Arsenal-related players going in. It's a it's an interesting discussion though because also the other two players you mentioned, Adrian, both of them came through before the Premier League happened, and I don't know how much that will weigh on the the judgment of the the people who are deciding this. Who are the people? I actually don't even know who it is, <laughs> but um, 
you know, he made three, uh, Tony Adams made three Premier League teams of the year. So he, he was going through a lot of sort of personal troubles, wasn't he, in the in the early to mid nineties? But he still he still delivered on the pitch in in, did. in in a side maybe that wasn't the best, the strongest Arsenal side. Obviously, that earlier on, you know, in the early pre Premier League, he played in a stunning Arsenal team, and then at the back end from ninety eight onwards, he played in a brilliant Arsenal team. But maybe he had some of his strongest years. In, in between, I don't know, but it, yeah, he, he's a, he was sensational. He's been possibly the best captain of the Premier League era. You could put, obviously Roy Keane is is a shout there as is Vincent Company, but but you know, yeah, it's he's hard to he's yeah. right up there. But 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 the, the the other thing that maybe counts against Tony, where is the competition for places at centre half in the Hall of Fame? As I've said, Ashley Cole is the best left back. I don't I, I don't see anyone that that really rivals him. But no, centre-half, Rio, center Ferdinand, John Terry, of course. Exactly, Vincent yeah, Company, even Campbell, Sol yeah. Campbell, you know, is yeah. an outstanding centre-half. So so there's a lot of stiff competition there for, for TA. So who's in at the moment? It's basically it's Thierry Henry, uh, Wayne Rooney and Patrick Vieira was next, wasn't it? That's it, isn't it? Or are there others? No, we've got, no, 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 it's a lot more than that. Um, are there a lot Shearer's more than that? Shearer's in. Yeah. in. Do you know, I haven't really kept, is Bergkamp <laughs> in there? Is Dennis in there? Yeah. Yeah. Dennis is in there. Is oh okay because I I well, I was going to say him, but you know what? Fair enough. He should be in there, <laughs> and of course he is in there. Is Robert Perez in there? By the way, yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, for me, that season when Bobby got injured, uh, there was there were you know, and they all they all bowed down to him at the end on the podium when we won the title. Um, he was so so good that year, and there were moments. I remember, of course, the goal against Villa away, another Villa away goal actually, when he chipped it over uh, uh, Boateng's head, and then chipped um, Peter Schmeichel, uh, take a bow, son, and all that from Andy Gray. <laughs> uh, so, um, not that I do spend all my days watching Sky Sports, the Premier League years, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Bobby Perez uh, would be one in terms of Patrick Vieira. Are I mean, essentially, all the midfielders that I look at, I sort of compare them to Patrick Vieira. Go and and you know, there are moments when Thomas Partey has has a little bit of that about him. But you know, that's what I want is another yeah. Patrick Vieira. Not at Arsenal, obviously. I think when people think of that mould of player, he can pretty much do everything. I think the only one that comes close in general is Yaya Torre. Um, free kicks, great control. I think people. At, at, at first probably labelled him as just one, put him in a box of what midfielder they thought he would be. And he just exceeded every expectation possible in terms of being able to actually play with the ball, yeah. um, run a game. Um, I think that for him, that 2013-14 uh, season was just immense in terms of being able to, to pass through a game, to dribble through a game, to to score free kicks, to score long range. I think his goal against Sunderland in the in the League Cup where it's set back to him like 50 yards out <laughs> and he just bends it into the far That's corner. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was a ridiculous just, footballer. Yeah, yeah, and he might be the one who comes closest. Are there any goalkeepers, by the way, uh, in, this, in the uh, Hall of Fame? I mean, I'm assuming Peter Schmeichel 
is in there. I don't think he's in there yet. I don't think there should be a shout for him and Dave Seaman, by the way, because because you know I think one of the big reasons that Arsenal and Man United were the two best teams in the uh, in the Premier League because they had the two best goalkeepers. Yeah, I think they'll get in there in the end. I mean, the whole idea of a Hall of Fame is that it's a pretty select band. I think we're only up to ten players at the moment, and and yeah, they're not gonna they're gonna drip feed them in down down the years. On, On Patrick, he was he was a colossus of a of a midfielder, wasn't he? And and you're right, we, we compare everyone else to him and, and no one can. I do think that Thomas Partey is the, is the closest we've had to him stylistically. But there's one missing ingredient with Thomas Partey and and that's edge, as in a fierce edge. I just feel that he's got the components, he's got the talent, he's got the physicality, the athleticism, the power, the skill. But Patrick also had an unbelievable edge in terms of winning mentality little bit of a nasty streak in there quietly of course but he was he was somebody that fellow midfielders were frightened of playing against no doubt about that he was he he struck fear into into opponents hearts and and I don't think that Thomas Partey has that and I don't think he'll ever have that um, so we should probably stop making those comparisons but sorry but but he's no but no but he's he is to the eye to, to the naked eye, he's as close as we've had. And, yeah. I, and I get it, but I don't know if he'll ever have what Patrick had inside. Also, by the way, Patrick Vieira, I mean, whenever anyone talks, whenever the, any of the Invincibles are uh, interviewed and they ask who was the leader, uh, you know, I mean, he was the captain, but he was the leader of that team. And when you look down that team and all the unbelievable footballers in that team, he was the one who pulled them all together. So, so uh, yeah, I think we say it again, worthy and um, and fair play. And um, maybe, in, I don't know, we'll see. Possibly a future manager for us at some point. Um, but, but we're very, very happy, we should say, at this point, with the one we've got <laughs> at the moment. Um, it's funny, actually, because I spoke to Adonis, our producer, and I was saying, I, I, I haven't been on Twitter, on social media that much, and it's partly because there's less Arsenal stuff really and i think that's also partly because everyone's pretty happy uh, at the moment uh, we're certainly with with how the men's team uh, are doing and we will talk about that uh, i want to talk about the women's team for a bit the north london derby um was postponed because tottenham have cases of covid although we know they're scared that's why they're not playing uh and uh chelsea's 9-0 win over leicester enabled them to leapfrog us and go top i was actually mooching about on su- on uh, sunday afternoon saw that leicester chelsea was on i thought oh i'll flick over hopefully you know maybe they've slipped up it was 7-0 up after 48 minutes i thought okay <laughs> that was a bit of a waste of time um oh um, I know you've been watching the women's team. How much of a blow is it to the women to have not been able to play uh, at the weekend and have Chelsea go top? Because there's a sort of psychological thing going on, isn't there, really? Yeah, I think there's a few factors that come into it. Obviously, there's the performance and um, the fact that Chelsea are now level on games played um, with uh, more points. I think in terms of just having that cat and mouse chase throughout the season... Um, it probably would have been better for Arsenal to play and keep that momentum yep. at the top of the league um, if they did go on and win. <laughs> um, I think, which is not a given because yeah. we know we drew with Spurs last time. Yeah. That was only a last-minute equaliser, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, that's the main thing. Games in hand don't really, uh, as I think a lot of people have found this season, they don't um, 
guarantee you wins. Um, but I think um, just in terms of keeping that momentum going, especially when you consider how vital this stage of the season is for, for Arsenal women, because they are in the middle of a title race and they are still in the Champions League. You don't really want to lose that momentum uh, in such important games. Um, but but they, Butter, oh, sorry. Can I, sorry to jump in, but... but yeah. oh, Trying to think of a positive, trying to be glass half full here. Um, that fixture was obviously going to be sandwiched in between the two Wolfsburg games. Yeah. Huge matches, really tough games, tactically, draining, mentally and physical as well. Might it be better that the, the derby gets the team's full attention now rather than it being the match in between the two colossal Champions League ties? The thing is, I, I'm not sure it will do now because because they wanted to play at the Emirates yeah um Arsenal men's team still have I think four games to play at the Emirates then the women's team are still in the Champions League for now and the FA Cup yeah so you have to figure out where you're actually going to put the game first so I think especially with it being what the final weeks of the season you're probably gonna this isn't me saying it is going to be this, but it would probably make sense if it's a if it's a midweek game, um, and then that just changes the whole dynamic of things. So can I, can I, I um, can I give a different scenario to that? Can I say that at yeah, the end of on. the season, the last game for the women is at the Emirates <laughs> against Tottenham, and that's when we basically score the goal that uh, uh, score <laughs> win the game that wins the title, and then we get these big screens up at the Emirates, and um, and we all watch Arsenal win at Spurs to get fourth place in the, uh, in the Premier League for the men. How about that for an end? Okay, to maybe season? we'll pitch that. We'll pitch that to the FA, <laughs> and we all go down to the pub. I mean, it, it would happen. be great, wouldn't it? I, I just think that would be a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, we drew uh, in the week with Wolfsburg. I watched the game. I mean, look, I'm going to say this to you, and you tell me that I'm wrong. And and I haven't seen Wolfsburg play this season, so I don't know how good they are. They've obviously got some very, very good players. I thought it was a slightly disappointing performance from the Arsenal women on um, uh, last week. Would that be fair, or are we just up against another level of team? I, I think that's... Uh, a tad unfair. Um, Wolfsburg are traditionally very strong in the Champions League. They've been in the semi-finals at least for the past, I think it's five of the past eight seasons. Yeah. Um, going into the game personally, I was quite, um, I don't know, pessimistic. <laughs> I, I, d I didn't think Arsenal would get much out of the game after their uh, performances against Barcelona in the group stages. Yeah, but Barcelona are a different level, though, aren't yeah. they? But still, I think um, I thought they performed very well um, going into it. I I was going in with the lens of stay in the game as long as possible and see where you get from there. And I thought that uh, one thing that Arsenal really did struggle against um, the big teams with in those December games, so not just Barcelona but Chelsea as well, was the midfield and the defense were too far apart. Whereas I think against Wolfsburg and uh, throughout um, the season since that point, they've actually improved in that quite a lot. I've spoken to Idaval at different points about his kind of quest for control. And he's been really good in terms of explaining that with um, how Arsenal are probably better positioned in terms of their alignment off the ball now. 
Um, and I think that really showed against Wolfsburg because, to be fair, I, I don't feel Wolfsburg had massive opportunities apart from the the moment where they hit the post twice in about 10 seconds in the there second was half. That, yeah. um, <laughs> because their goal actually came from uh, a mistake from uh, Lotte Wuvermoy. So I think, um, yeah, I, I felt the performance was very good um, and they were just a bit unlucky not to take, take the chances they created um, throughout the game. I thought it was a really even game. I thought that Wolves were the better team early on, but Arsenal grew into it. They sort of learned as they went along and they adapted their tactics accordingly. I thought, yeah, I thought it was quite a smart performance from Arsenal. They definitely deserved the, the equaliser. They didn't deserve to win the game, I don't think. I think it was, it was very even. But it was fascinating, wasn't it, afterwards that Jonas Edeval said he was 100% confident that we were going to go through, which was quite quite bold, given the, you know what Art said there about going into the match fearing the worst. I still would put Wolfsburg as the as the favourites to to progress myself. But yeah, I don't know if that was just getting into the minds of his of his players um or or not, but it was it was a bold thing to say. I think one thing in terms of attitude Jonas has been very clear on is not just don't think of the worst possibility, think of the best and then go and try and attack that. Yeah. And I think that that was quite clear to me anyway in the game plan. They didn't want to kind of retreat in the game, I don't feel. No. Um, so and- that's why they got caught a couple of times, really, because <laughs> they were pushing yeah. up. Uh, yeah. And Wolfsburg are known for playing that way, you know, yeah. it, as, as what I understand. Um, Tim Stillman uh, goes to a lot of the games, does stuff with Arsblog, and uh, he was talking about uh, Stina Blackstenius. And it, on first viewing, he didn't think she had a particularly good game. But then when he looked back on it and the run she made to take players out of the way. Uh, Adrian, that's that unseen stuff that mm. that that your casual fan, and I am certainly one of them, just <laughs> would not would would not understand. I, yeah, I guess so. Sometimes you make a run to get the ball and sometimes you make a run to create space for other people. And if you're creating space for Vivian Miedemar or Katie McCabe or Beth Mead... It, they're not yeah, they're not players. not bad players to create space for, are they? Yeah. So, no, it's she, yeah, she's she's industrious. I, I liked the channel runs that that she made, and and I think when you've got her alongside Miedemar, that, that there's going to be a lot of rotation there. Miedemar wants to play in a deeper role, doesn't she? And and that means that the up top Blackstenius is going to have to to graft and to run those channels and offer, you know, so so Arsenal can go short into Miedemar or they can go longer into Blackstenius. And I think it does give them a, a tactical advantage that they didn't have earlier on in the season where maybe they were guilty of playing in front of teams. They can now stretch them and we saw the, them do that to Wolfsburg. So, um, so no, yeah. she's a definite positive. Oh, uh, Viv Miedemar, is she a little bit becalmed at the moment? I mean, I, I thought she looked a little bit freer in the way she was playing earlier in the season. Or again, is that a tad harsh? <laughs> I think it is a tad harsh. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to just come on and say the opposite of what you're saying. No, no, saying, not at all. I'm but, asking you the question. Um, say in, in the role she's playing now as the number 10, she's just not as in your face, I guess. Um, there was a moment saying that, I think it was in the second half, where um, Arsenal created a really good chance. She She's not nowhere to be seen but she played the pass that led to the chance being created um and it's things like that 
that um, she's probably doing a bit more now. Yeah. And also, I guess it just depends on how how much Arsenal are actually in the game too. Um, I think you probably saw her a bit more in the second half, in the first half, in those games where it is going to be pretty much a tight contest throughout. You're probably not going to see her until the game settles down a little bit, um, which is understandable. Um, I still feel, as as Adrian mentioned, having her in, in the hole, you can be a lot more unpredictable in what you do. You have those two options of Black Stenius and Miedemar, but then you also have um, the wide threats as well. So I think, um, yeah, I, I don't didn't see it as an issue. And I, I actually think she's playing better now than she was... <laughs> say in not not um right at the start of the season but in around december november january he's saying that, so. he's saying adrian i'm completely wrong I, that's what he's saying he's you're just basically absolute torrid aren't you here? slapping is, me about it's it's not i feel going like well, chris Stoney. rock at the oscars <laughs> i do um couple of, all right one I, I really enjoyed how feisty it was by the way there was a bit of feistiness about it and i like that but it is a champions league quarterfinal i mean i suppose the question now is uh can anyone beat barcelona i mean i mean if we get through adrian we've got them in the semi-finals um they look like a class above to me yeah hand, hand on heart I, I couldn't see it if it was a one-off one-off game maybe the final i think a team suffers injury, bad luck, red card. Something happens that changes a game. You've always got that chance. But over two legs against a team of their quality, it would have to take something extraordinary, I think, to to overcome them. Ah, oh, I'm assuming you feel the same way? Or yeah, are you just going to be your time... usual argumentative self? <laughs> this time I, I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think um, they are just an insane team. Um I was doing prep for the the Wolfsburg game um, and I was just looking back through some clips of the Arsenal-Barcelona game of the Emirates and um, I think I actually used one of the examples in the match piece um, around kind of Barcelona's control of space and there was one point where um, Arsenal were trying to build out from the back and Barcelona ended I guess the sequence with nine players in the Arsenal half. <laughs> um, wow. They won the ball back, kept it for a, another minute or so, then won a free kick. At any any momentum Arsenal tried to build, they just killed at source. Um, yeah. They're just so well drilled that I I don't see anyone, let alone Arsenal, like, yeah, I, I agree with you guys there. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean to be fair with Barcelona, I remember when the men's team came to the Emirates in whenever it was uh, when um, Shavin scored that goal and we beat them 2-1 and how hard they press. And I think that that's through the whole La Masia and all through the training. That is what they're taught to do. And you can see it in the women's team as well as the men. Um, brilliant team to watch, by the way. Absolutely brilliant team to watch uh, if you love football. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, brought to you by The Athletic. Remember, you can get a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Head over to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal and you'll be able to read all of Art's work as well as James and Amy uh, in full. We'll talk a little bit about summer transfer wishes after these messages. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Yeah, Ian Stone here with handbrake off with uh, Adrian Clark and Art De Roche. There was a big story uh, going around social media. Pretty much the only bit of Arsenal social media I found this week. It really was difficult to get away from the grim news. Um, but one thing I read about Marcus Rashford. Well, it was just a transfer a rumour about the fact that Man United want to possibly want to sell him on and maybe he wants to leave and possibly he'll come to Arsenal. Adrian, um, mm. would you buy him? Oh, it's a really tough one. I'm kind of torn on it. I, I think taking a player on the back of his worst season is risky, um, as is taking a player that clearly isn't happy at the moment. Now, what isn't he happy about? Is it something off the pitch? Is it something to do with Manchester United? But there are some red flags there with his body language with his attitude, he's not running as hard as he used to. It's as simple as that. And he's not the only one in the May United team doing that. That, that, that is true. And it, it, it may be that, they, that, that there are things going on there that have you know made him feel disenchanted and it's affected his game. Look at his conversion rate. It's good. Very good, actually. 26.7% um, of his shots go in. Um, but he's not had very many of them. I was looking no. at some of the stats. Um, when you compare Arsenal and Man United players this season alone for shots per 90 minutes, he ranks 11th. Um, he is not getting himself into very many goal-scoring positions at all. He's not Chances getting picked, though, is he? No, 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 well. no. This is on a per 90-minute basis. Right. So um, right. per 90 minutes, he's he's ranked 11th between Arsenal and Man U players. Um, on a per 90-minute basis, he's ranked 18th for chances created. So he's he's not having a great season, but he can finish. We know that. He's a player of great ability. We know that. And I think that he would offer Mikel Arteta 
you know, tactical flexibility because he can play at nine or he can play on the left-hand side. So, so he ticks a lot of boxes, but there are too many red flags around him at the moment for, for me to want to spend big money on Marcus you're saying, Rashford. You're saying no, aren't you? You're I'm saying, saying no. I'm saying that there are other... I'm yeah. saying that there are other options, possibly cheaper options, that might be uh, better bets, and we'll get to those shortly, I guess. Uh, yeah, art. I mean, there's apparently is a piece I haven't read it um, on the athletic site from a Man United perspective, saying how his voice, I suppose this is talking about his social conscience, might be lessened if he moved to Arsenal. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I mean, he's a local boy, obviously he's loved in his home city, but Arsenal. We've got this sort of whole youth project going on now. This is something really special, it seems, happening um, uh, with the men's team. And he could very well, I mean, he's, what, 23 years old at the moment, something like that. He's a young guy. He would fit right in, wouldn't he? It, I mean, I'm talking about Rashford from two years ago. I'm not talking about <laughs> the unhappy one now. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm really torn because I see people have been quite excited about it. But I know the point about tactical flexibility in terms of being able to play through the middle and through the left. But I feel Arsenal have Gabriel Martinelli, you can do that, Mm. Um, who is, yes, a couple of years younger, but is also someone who I don't think you need to play as as if he's a kid anymore. He's just made his Brazilian national debut. He has, Um, Now that's true, but he's the only one we've got who can really do that. If you're thinking that Laka's probably leaving. You know, we, need, we surely need more than one. I remember a season about oh, no, five years two. ago. Well, we two yeah, strikers, weren't we? Surely. Well, no, I'm saying, but at the moment, <laughs> the at the moment, but I'm, I remember a season five years ago when Olivier Giroud was essentially our only functional striker, and and that put a lot of pressure on him. And I, it, I'm not, I don't know whether Marcus Rashford would be interested in playing in the reserves or or coming in for League Cup games or something. It seems a little bit of a come down, but. I don't know. I, I, well, I has, was, he, has, I, has he proven I himself? Has he proven himself as an elite number nine? I don't think he has. I think. Would we get an elite number nine well, in no, our not, present position? Well, all right. Has he proven that number nine is his best position? Is another way of phrasing it. Because yeah. in my head, most many of his best performances have come in off the left. And as we've, as, as Art has rightly said, we've got Gabriel Martinelli who does that for us. We've also got. Smith Rowe and Saka that can do that for us. Um, it would cost a lot of money. There's no doubt about that. And the point is, if he started playing well again, May and I probably wouldn't want to sell him. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I mean, it's slightly more negative than I was expecting. But you know what? <laughs> Apologies. That's, that's, no, no, no. But that goes with the general tone of the whole podcast, where I just set something up and I'm, you know, slapped down. Um, if not, <laughs> I'm really not taking this personally at all. All right. We're not. We're saying not Marcus Rashford. Um I mean, we, we, I was going to ask fantasy signings, but it's not even fantasy at this point. Let's say that we can get who we want. I know that, um, oh, I'll ask you, Martin Erdegaard is apparently best mates with Erling Haaland. Uh, <laughs> could we find a place for him in our forward line, perhaps? Uh, maybe on football manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're good mates. And do you think that Martin yeah. Erdegaard is saying to him, listen, yeah, you can, you can get all the money you could possibly want at Real Madrid or Barcelona or Man United, <laughs> but come to Arsenal. There's something beautiful happening. Yeah, and you can... Going, and you can take us to the next level. Wouldn't that be appealing in some way? 
Yeah, go for the, the class of Arsenal. Class of Arsenal. Mm. <laughs> halls and all that, you know. No, but all right, so we're not getting Erling Haaland, I imagine. Uh, we we do need a striker. Who have you got your eye on? Uh, my, my, like, dream, dream option. Um, so I, I don't actually think this is realistic, um, especially if Arsenal don't actually make the Champions League. But my dream option would be Lataro Martinez. Um, I just feel like he works very well in terms of being able to actually stretch defences and drop in in between lines to to link play. Um, And also, besides from that, he actually isn't scared to shoot, (laughs) which helps. (laughs) Um, So he's kind of my um, number one dream option, but I highly doubt that will come to fruition. Um, I've seen recently as well, people, uh, there's been a lot of noise around uh, Cody Gakpo at PSV. Um, young young striker, about 22 years old, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he's actually been playing mostly off the left. I know, as we've said with Rashford, sorted there, but I guess he he actually looks like someone who is made to, to be merged into an actual centre forward. Uh, very tall, can actually play with his back to goal as well. But yeah, I, I think... Uh, it's probably one of those situations that's gonna be a different. <laughs> there's gonna be a different name every week until one comes through the door. Adrian, can you add another name to those, or do you like the oh, sound of Martinez? Oh, two or three. Yeah, I, I like Lautaro Martinez. I think he'd be great. Um, the, the two names we I keep reading about are Darwin Nunes and Victor Osman. Um, both good ages. Osman's twenty three. Um, Darwin Nunes is twenty two. And strikers almost always have their most prolific years between 23 and 28. So we would be getting one or both at the right time. I think Osserman has got the power, the athleticism, sort of you know, scores headers and is quick. So he's got that to, that that he offers, but maybe not that much in the build-up. Darwin Nunes, more rounded, I would suggest. Someone that can drop in and link like Lacquer, but also run in behind and score a range of goals. I, I do like Darwin Nunes. I mean, very prolific. Better than the goal a game in the Portuguese in what league? league. In Portugal. Portugal, yeah. But he scored four goals in the Champions League this year. Yeah. So it proves that he can cut it at that level. The one that really excites me um, as a as an Eddie Nketiah replacement is Armando Breuer, who is at Southampton, obviously, He's on loan excellent. at the moment. Yeah, He's he excellent. is excellent. And yeah. Chelsea, we know that they've got certain issues at the moment and they may, may be offloading players. If he's one that they do offload... We should be in for him because yeah. he his talent is huge. He's got a range of qualities, obviously quick, powerful, scores, you know, very good finisher. I think he would be tremendous. So so those are the three that stand out for me. I also do like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, even though he's having a hard time at the moment. I think that he's got the tools uh, in his game to shine for us. But if there are there are, there are there are problems around his fitness and and that is like like I said, you know, earlier, it's a it's a red flag for me, a little bit like Rashford. Um so so maybe he's fallen down that pecking order. But there's a part of me that thinks he could be a massive hit 
Uh, and the stadium. cost, and the cost of blind players from other English clubs as well. I, can I put? I throw Ollie Watkins into that mix mm, as well. Mm, I, mm. Every time I watch Watkins, I just think, oh yeah, I love how hard he works. And I remember us playing Villa in a game with uh, Lacquer. This is when Lacquer was going through one of his moody phases. The ball wasn't sticking with him at all. Watkins, mm. the ball's pumped up to him, and he's holding off two or three players and bringing people into play. And I thought he should be playing for us. That bloke. So, um, and in, and in, and one, we won't do too much on this because we're definitely going to be having this discussion <laughs> again over the next few months. Um, Granite Xhaka, everyone's going on about, oh, we definitely need to replace, get an upgrade for Granite Xhaka. Uh, can we afford an upgrade on Granite Xhaka is one thing. And also, if we get the Xhaka that plays for Switzerland, isn't that an upgrade anyway? Uh, Art, I'll ask you that first. I think um, you've seen in recent weeks, you've seen a better Granite Xhaka anyway. So maybe not the exact carbon copy of uh, the, the Granite Xhaka that plays for Switzerland, um, but you've seen the way Arteta's used him a little bit higher in midfield. Um, Arsenal yeah. have actually benefited from that. Yeah, well, it doesn't um, have to tackle as much, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say even with that, you can see almost the limitations too. I remember asking him, asking Arteta about it, and he said, it's not that it was being comfortable to make that tweak. It was more to be unpredictable. And I think you can see in terms of just the athleticism of someone who would play that role, You'd want someone who was just a bit more agile, both on and off the ball, um, and a bit more explosive too, to actually um, make their presence known a, a lot more often. Do you um, have someone in mind, Art? I have um, a player profile in mind who, again, is quite, I'd say, unrealistic. But in terms of profile, um, Ishmael Benesir, who was at Arsenal a few years ago in yeah. under-23s, and then left for Empoli before moving to Milan and helping them get back in the Champions League. He's the type of player I, I like in that role in terms of being able to to um, pass from deep, dribble with the ball, and pretty much do everything in that role um, to, to a good standard. Um, but I, I doubt he'd be one that... Um, would be looking at Arsenal thinking that's going to be my next move. <laughs> no. Adrian, what about you? Anyone? Uh, well, on, on the Xhaka, I think the mobility point is really important. I think that is yeah. that is huge. I think if you're going to pick a person for that role and their ideal attributes, Xhaka doesn't tick those boxes, but he can do the job there. Um, it's weather, isn't it, that Granite Xhaka would be a good sub. Would he, would he be prepared to not be in the first choice 11 having been picked by every manager since he joined as a first choice. So so that I think is the is the big question about his his future. I, I can see us signing someone in this position. I don't no, I haven't really thought about who, to be perfectly honest, but, yeah. but it would have to be someone I think that offers a bit bit more of a goal threat as well. So so someone slightly uh that plays slightly deeper than that than Erdegaard naturally, but also has the energy and a goal threat. It's, it's, it's asking a lot, actually. It's Patrick Vieira. Patrick <laughs> Vieira. He's just been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He'd be great. Um, I mean, someone like Mason Mount, I mean, Mason Mount yeah, or someone like that. You know, someone someone who can, can happily yeah. sort of drop into various pockets to pick up the ball and link play, but also scores goals. You know, that's a team player. That, that's, the, that's the profile we're looking at. While we're on the subject of transfers, uh, we'll, we'll spend five minutes talking about this. Art wrote a piece um, about... 
how much Arsenal's biggest transfers would cost today? Um, the headline, uh, Dennis Bergkamp would cost 117.3 million quid. But for the transformative <laughs> effect that he had on the club... I mean, Adrian, he's worth double that, isn't he? Essentially, yeah. it doesn't really matter about the cost. When you get someone like Dennis Bergkamp, I think he had actually uh, a wider influence, not just at Arsenal, but in the Premier League generally. I've written pieces on this, actually, for magazines. I wrote a piece, I wrote a piece for, for a book, and they asked me for the sort of big crossroads moment in Arsenal's modern history, and, and I picked out Dennis Bergkamp's arrival. Obviously, I was at the club at the time, and it need we needed someone to just come in and change things. And and he was the guy. We really pushed the boat out to get him. He was a superstar at the time. And it was a it was a jaw-dropping moment that when, when news broke that he, that he was signing and it elevated Arsenal's status yeah. instantly. And it also it also persuaded other really talented, skillful players to come on board and and, and the rest is history, isn't it? He was a really special player. And yeah, it was a fascinating piece, actually. Well done on that. <laughs> it was a, a really good idea. And what struck me, actually, and this is obviously a bit personal to me, was how many of the signings in the era where I was in and around the, the club were, were huge in terms of, it wasn't just Bergkamp, you know, David Platt. Are you saying they came because of you? Adrian? No, Is they came because I was leaving. Yeah, <laughs> I was on my way Clark. out. Asian yeah, Clark. I was on my way out. They were just <laughs> upgrading. Um, you know, they had to pay big money to upgrade on me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but Platty was huge at the time. Yes, obviously, it didn't true. really work out as the equi- equivalent of a £75 million transfer. Vieira coming from AC Milan. Okay, we hadn't heard of him, but it was coming from AC Milan, who was sensational at the time. Also completely to, transferred transformative for the team as well yeah, having and, someone like Patrick uh, Vieira yeah and, and and the player that that well he didn't replace me but but he kind of did in a way but but on a different level was Mark Overmars I, I left at the same time he signed and and that was that that was another one wasn't it a huge big name on the world scene that was one of the best in his position on the planet so so that that era sort of pre-winning the double in 1998 it was it was an ambitious era for Arsenal, and um, yeah, that probably gets a little bit forgotten because the team was just a new team was just developing. But that 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 ninety five to ninety eight, we really did speculate to accumulate, and that's that's highlighted in this piece. Art, what about you? Talked about Nicholas Anelka. We bought him from PSG for half a million quid, sold him for twenty two point three, which is one hundred and eighty two million pound in today's <laughs> market. But he paid for a new training ground, Thierry Henry, which, by the way, probably did more for the club than all aside from Dennis Bergkamp and perhaps Patrick Vieira. It, again, it just tra- changed everything about the team. Yeah, it's mad because when you think of the inflated fee. I guess that half a million pounds would have been now, it only comes up to seven and a half million. So even with the real time sale of say 22 odd million, <laughs> that's, that's more than, than <laughs> Arsenal would have got, like or Arsenal would have paid in an, in an, inflated market if only we all, if only we all lived in the football world i mean if wages <laughs> had gone up that much since that time we'd all be laughing wouldn't we right now and they really haven't <laughs> barely gone up at all it's it's madness one other you mentioned uh, mesut ozil translated to 85 million pounds um i think he cost that in wages though didn't he really and he continues to or or not i don't know um and sesk and sol campbell were both bought on a free uh, as well so they don't actually uh, count as part of this but 
Uh, fasc- I agree with Adrian. It's a fascinating article, and it's um, it does tell you uh, the the uh, inflationary spiral of football, <laughs> doesn't it? Really. Um, let's have a song to end, shall we? Art, what have you got? So um, I I recently found out that um, the cartoon Arthur is on Amazon Prime. Um, so. I've actually been watching it quite a lot um, over the past couple of days. Right. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go for the Arthur theme tune, which is by Ziggy Marley. Um, and I, I, I'm not gonna sing it, but I'm pretty sure m- most people should recognise it. And I say, hey, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play and get along with each other. So yeah, that's my pick for today, and I I think uh, I think Adrian might know it by his little giggle there. No, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. I must admit, uh, I uh, I'm of a certain generation when I hear the Arthur theme tune, and I think of a guy called Chris Cross. Uh, and <laughs> some of you may know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, great. Okay. What have, what have you got for us, uh, Adrian? <sighs> it's Hall of Fame. It's Hall of Fame by the script. Yeah, it's yeah, got to be yeah. Hall of Fame by the script. It's, it's a, a song about the Hall of Fame. I like I like the band. Uh, I've seen them live. It was great. Um, and the lyrics, the lyrics also apply to the team at the moment. You, you can be the greatest. You can be the best. It's basically you can you can run that mile. You can you can climb to the top. So so on, on two sort of levels, hopefully it works. And it's yeah, it's a good tune. And uh, all right, I'm going to, I've been missing the Premier League. I'll be honest with you. I mean, as much as there has been other football going on, I I think uh, certainly for the men's team, Arsenal fans are a bit blissed out at the moment. And uh, I've missed (laughs) that feeling of happiness. So I've gone for Miss You by the Stones. Uh, Not necessarily about football, but um, uh, that's what I'm having. Okay. That's it, I believe. We're done. Thank you to Art. Thank you to Adrian. Thank you to Adonis, our producer. Uh, We have been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. See you next week. Athletic.